Amen. Let's grab our Bible, shall we? And we're going to turn to 2 Kings in the Old Testament. We had a great day. The Lord is blessed. And while you're turning, I'm going to share with you a little, uh, a little good news that I got just as we were coming into service. Uh, a pastor has been trying to call me, and we've been playing uh, phone tag. And they left a message on the church phone. So I don't know where they got my number. If they'd have had my uh, actual number, it wouldn't have been difficult. But they didn't. And so um, before service, about an hour before prayer time, uh, I tried to call them and, and thought, well, we'll make one more effort. And I didn't reach them. So just as we were going into uh, the praise team to have prayer, the phone rang, and I recognized it as um, I thought was an Atlanta pastor. And uh, I knew they were Trinitarian. I didn't know anything else about them. And uh, so I went ahead and took the call, even though I didn't have the time to speak to them very long. And they said, Reverend French. I said, praise the Lord. I didn't even know his name. I said, well, praise the Lord, whoever this is. We're so glad to hear from you. He said, you may not know me, but I have just baptized my entire church after reading your book on the oneness of God. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so I was excited. I said, whoa. He said, it's been an exciting journey, and I want to tell you about it. And I said, I want to hear about it, but i got to go have church, and so I'll have to call you back. But uh, he said, yes, yes, yes. He said, uh, I, I, I thank God the day someone told me about your book. He said, because now I want to tell you how this works. You, some people can reach this person, and some people can reach that person. But God knows who we can all touch if we will use our gifts. And I believe that God is using the writing ministry of Apostolic Tabernacle to touch people in faraway lands, faraway places. Now, this number he called me on was an Atlanta number. I told him, I said, you are, you surely are an Atlanta pastor. He said, no, I'm not. He said, I pastor in Tupelo, Mississippi. I said, well, why do you have an Atlanta phone number? Because I know 404 is in Atlanta. He said, because I used to pastor in Atlanta. He said, are you pastoring in Atlanta? And I said, I sure am. Uh, so, so, so. How many know God is still good? He's still revealing truth to folks. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, now, I know you're standing and I know you're weary. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. And let's read verse 10. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read it and let you be seated. Uh, so here we go. Uh, and he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Let's back up. Let's go to verse 9. I thought I could just read one verse. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. 
And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so. Now, I know there are more words in the verse, but let's lift our hearts. Let's set our Bibles down. I want to preach to you from this subject, when the mantle falls. Let's lift our hands and let's pray and ask God to anoint this frail minister tonight. Father, we thank you because uh, the mantle of truth is all about us. And we praise you and magnify you, God. And we ask for the power of the Holy Ghost to minister to us, Lord, prophetically tonight. Lord, it doesn't matter if we're weary or whether things are perfect or not. What matters is that we are in the will of God and that you are working in our midst. And we give you praise for it and magnify your name. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for praying for us tonight. And please be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, I did not know when I was preparing this tonight that... I would receive such a call, and so in some ways it's a confirmation uh, whether, uh, you know, I could shout and praise God and be excited, but there's nothing more a confirmation than to know that the mantle of truth is still as viable and as powerful as it's ever been. How many knows people are hungry out there? So I want to preach to you for a moment from the subject, when the mantle falls. Now, partially, I have been concerned with uh, several things physically, but just um, <coughs> that I wouldn't cough in your face and so on. But, um, but even beyond that, that you would be, uh, uh, it's been a long weekend and, and you would be bored there are some things that I want to say that I can't say hanging from the chandelier. I can't say it hanging. I, I don't mind because uh, we have no chandeliers, uh, but you understand what I mean. That's just an expression. I can't say it. Uh, it's hard to say it with no voice. It's hard to say it uh, if I have to um, dangle something in front of you to make you hear it. But I'm going to preach it anyway. I feel and I know it's the will of God. And I think Pastor Cox calling me that I'm, I'm so humbled by it. I, uh, I, I, I want to say uh, thank God for using it. But, of course, it's not nothing to do with anything I have done or you have done or any human being. It's simply God is passing the mantle on and people are receiving it. That's the day that we live in. Praise God. Can you say praise the Lord? It will help if you kind of, if I can tell that you're breathing. That helps if I just know you're actually breathing. All right. And so uh, it's a marvelous truth, I believe, that awaits those who see in Elijah's miraculous life the passing of the mantle. Now, we know, of course, that he's most famous for the mantle account and many people might even wonder what a mantle is, but that's really quite simple. What, what is complex is that the, the, the symbol of the truth and the symbol of the power of that generation 
And how many knows that we need to hang on to the truth? Anybody know that tonight? We ought to be. I wish everybody knew that. We need to hang on to the truth. We don't need to be letting go and saying, well, you know, I, I, I wear nice suits now, so I don't have to worry about. No, no, no. We need to hold on to the truth no matter what anybody else says about it. We need to love the truth. And, and so the mantle, it's really interesting. In fact, this has got me so stirred up. I can and, and now to get a call from Pastor Cox, I don't know if I can even preach this. I may just have to just start running around. That may be what I ought to do. Just run around and then we'll be done. But I'm going to try not to do that. As I say, we don't have any chandeliers. So I'm just going to try to preach what I feel in my soul. Now, the idea that the symbol of the passing, now I'm not going to, I don't really want to use the word passing of the mantle because even though there was a passing of the mantle from one prophet to the other and from one generation to the next, it wasn't just a passing. It was actually the mantle fell down into their very presence. In other words, every generation must come to the place that they recognize that truth is worth sacrificing for whatever it takes. I want to tell you, folks, the truth is worth it. It's worth it to have truth in your midst. And so the the mantle, the mantle was, uh, as it were, fell into their into their lives. And the Bible says, and I, I, I want to, uh, uh, I, I want to cover a lot, but I don't want to just uh, go point by point. I want to share what I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to say, that, that, that Elisha, when he saw the man of God go up into the, in the chair, and I preached a series of sermons on Elijah, and I don't apologize for it. But when Elijah went up, the Bible says that when, when Elisha saw him go up, and, and all, we'll, we'll come to bits and details of it, that he, he, uh, I don't know if the King James says rent, probably does, I, I can't think, but uh, he tore, just it's a word that means tore, he took his garment and he tore his garment so that he, as it were, this was a symbol in the ancient world, by the way, of if anybody, like if your father were to pass, you, you wouldn't leave your garment intact, you would rip your, you wouldn't care more about your garment than, than the 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 anguish that you were facing and so they would tear and that's exactly what Elisha did he tore his garment and so as it were the garment of one generation is falling into the next and Elisha tears his own garment and receives it so there's a marvelous truth that is seen in symbols not just when I say symbol I don't mean that the things these men did were just symbols I mean that they're symbolic for us. So when when Elisha and or Elijah, and I'm really, I'm not going to try to <laughs> keep saying those two names together a whole lot. But uh, when they begin, in Hebrew, they're not nearly so close. But for some reason in English, that when you say them, they sound very similar. But this uh, this mantle and this receiving of the mantle or, and and Father, help me to say it right, but... I mean, folks, just think of it. Here was a man's clothing. It was his clothing. And, and one, one uh, person was telling me not too long ago that, that he thought that we apostolics were a little too strict about clothing, as though God doesn't care anything about clothing. And I said, well, uh, 
And I, I wanted you to know I was very nice to them. I don't want you to think I wasn't, but I'm a little stirred up, so it might sound like I wasn't. But in the telling, it may sound like I wasn't nice, but actually I was quite a gentleman. I'm trying to tell you that. And so these folks who had, you know, they were no dumbbell. And so they were saying we were just a little strict on, you know, and God didn't care about it. That's what they told me. So what was I supposed to say? And I said, here's what I said. I don't think I was a smart aleck. I said, how do you know? How do you know that? And they didn't know what I was talking about. I said, no, you said God doesn't care. I just wonder how you know that. How do you know that God doesn't care about clothing? And I was struck, of course, by a, we're in a generation, by the way, that doesn't think morals matter. They don't think marriage matters. They don't think morality counts. They don't think the clothes you wear counts or you don't even have to wear them. I mean, we're in a culture that has completely lost its way. But it is a very powerful symbol that the passing of the mantle had to do with the, let's, let's call it the, I, I'm trying to be careful here. I, I don't want to be accused of something I don't really mean. But it was really nothing more than the robe of the prophet of God. It let, we could say the coat or the cloak or the, we could use all kinds of words. But in, in our modern setting, it was nothing more than the outer robe of the man of God. And when he went up in the fiery chariot, down it went. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced that Elisha was not. Now, Lord, if, if I'm wrong, then I want to. I'll write a book about it. We'll do something corrected. I am convinced that Elisha had no idea how it was going to be passed down to him. Now, we do know that when they got there and the Bible, the, and, the, and so uh, Elisha was, I guess I'm going to have to say the names. So they were, he was saying, sticking right with the man of God. The entire time because he he wanted to receive the blessing. He was determined, which I would say is the exact opposite. Our culture is saying, hey, fooey on that. Who needs that? Who cares what anybody? Who cares what grandma thought? That's the generation that we're in. That's the day we I throw that away. I can make my own way. And I've got news for you. It will not work. If you're going to have the same truth and the same power and the same experience, then you're going to have to have the same gospel. Okay, so this receiving of the mantle, and I know I'm stirred up. I, I'm going to, I want to preach my heart here tonight. This was not accomplished in the midst of a bunch of yawns and favorite ball game scores wasn't done in the middle of passing, uh, you know, the fingernail file up and down the aisle. This passing of the mantle represents a church in the last days. Everybody say, praise the Lord. That cries out as did Elisha with boldness. Everybody say, with boldness for a double portion. Of God's very best. Now there is no prophet. Now I, I'm, I'm not trying to be super legalistic here. But I, I've been thinking about this over the last couple of weeks. As the Lord's been stirring me about it. I can't think of a prophet. I know Moses. I'm not, I don't want to be too legalistic about it. But Elijah was absolutely a phenomenal I mean, he, it was as though he were completely groomed. And, and uh, I know he, had, he got depressed. I, one time I was praying and I said, thank you, Lord, that Elijah was human. 
Because it's almost like, my goodness gracious, this man can just about do anything. And he goes home and, and he doesn't even ask for a pat on the back. He was one of the most humble men you could imagine. But he did get, he did, I'm going to call it depressed. You, you might not want me to use that term. But uh, to me, it simply showed that even, even with all that Elijah accomplished, he was still human. And yet his, the ministry that he displayed is a symbol of the very best that God has to offer. In fact, oh, hallelujah. How many believe that we can still have revival, that the mantle is still available if we will reach for it? Praise God. And so it is. We, we have a boldness that we, we cry for the double portion. There was a time as a younger minister that I used to say, oh, well, Lord, I, I don't want to pray that you, I'll write a book that might affect an entire church or I might have, a, I might could preach the gospel. No, no, because I, I would, oh, I want to be humble. I want to tell you something, church. We can still see the power of God and remain humble before the mighty maker of heaven and earth. We can see the glory of God and remain humble before God. You can get a PhD or a master's degree or you can, you can have a first grade education. It makes no difference. If you humble yourself before God, you can make a difference in this world. And the truth is still the truth. And I believe that it is time for a bold faith today like Elisha had when he was standing there before the prophet of God. Can we just lift our hands and tell him, Lord, that's what I want. I want to have a boldness of faith Lord, that receives, Lord, that receives from the man of God. Hallelujah. So the falling of the mantle, which of course is, uh, I don't want to downplay it, but that's, that's a very nice, the, the King James is good this way. The, the mantle sounds very nice, where I would say it was nothing more than his robe. I don't really mean that. I'm not trying to diminish the fact that it was a powerful symbol, but I'm also trying to be very clear that this was not a gold-studded something or other. It was nothing more than the outer robe that he wore. And Elisha didn't say, okay, it's got to be this, it's got to be the keys, it's got to be... He simply said, I want what God has for me. I will not settle for less. Anybody feel that here tonight? I feel the Holy Ghost here talking to us. Lord, we don't want to see empty pews. We don't want to just be a church over here on this main drag. We want to be the church of the living God that is giving ourselves to the cause of God. So the falling of the mantle represented the greatest desire of the next generation. I will receive by the way, is Sister Nikita here? Where is she? Sister Nikita, I, I went up. I, I'm sorry that I listened in on your lesson. But uh, she taught the youth class today, right? And I was going visiting the classes just for a few minutes in between uh, before I came into the adult Sunday school lesson. And uh, Sister Nikita was teaching the, the class. She had the, the session today. It's some way they're doing it. So she was teaching, and she would guess what she was teaching on? The oneness of God. That's what she was teaching on. And I thought, Sister Nikita, 
What if that lesson today is what convinced this pastor? No, I'm just kidding. But here's a pastor. Here you are, a young person. Have you graduated? You're about to graduate pretty soon? Do you have a registry and you have lots of gifts that you need? All right, so this is a plug. I'm trying to give you a plug. All right, so no, she is graduating soon. And that, those that we got to start thinking about that. Young people that are getting ready to graduate and thank God for. How many are thankful for our young people that are walking with God and love God? But uh, Sister Nikita, I, I couldn't help but think as, as Pastor Cox was talking to me and, and I felt it in my soul. In fact, I, it's too bad that I got that call just two or three minutes before I walked in here because it just does something to my spirit when I think about how God is able to take us and use things that seem so simple. And it may just seem like the, the pulling off of, a, of the outer robe and, and suddenly the, the horses are coming and the chariot's coming And God says, I'm passing that mantle on. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it. And and of course, when he got there, he'd folded that thing, and that that had to be a clue right there. But nowhere that I know of does does the scripture say, now this is how you're gonna get it. I mean, unless, you know, maybe I I I stand corrected if I'm wrong, but I want to tell you something. There's something in my soul that says, I want it. I want a double portion of what God has given to this generation. And so it is, Brother Cole, we, we appreciate you. And, and, and here you are, a miracle. Can we give God praise for God healing and strengthening our bishop? And, and uh, oh, what, a, what an inspiration they are to us and all of us. And, and uh, you all know far better than I do. But I'm just so thankful for the many years of investment in the kingdom of God. I've got enough sense to know that not a thing, there's not a thing in this building. There's nothing under my feet or around me, although I've moved this organ several times and, and, uh, and I know some of the history of it, but I don't have to claim <laughs> credit for it. I don't need the glory for it. I don't want the glory for it. It doesn't come because, and I know, and I want to say this as carefully as I can. I want to say this right, but I know our bishop would be the first to say none of this is because of him or because of any man. It's because there's a God that moved and God began to work and God did miracle after miracle. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. We're a church that's bold about it. We want a portion of what God has done. And it will not come willy-nilly. Let me read this verse again. Elijah prophesied to his servant. Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. If thou... See me. If thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so. You've asked a hard thing. So here's, here it is. Here's what you've got to do. You've still got to, you've got to see me when I'm taken away. 
Praise God. Could we thank the Lord for just a moment? Could we just love him? Thank him for what we've known, what we've seen. Lord, we still have our eyes fastened on the old-fashioned gospel. And we love it, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. We're living in a day that our culture is fastly becoming caught up in the spirit of the end time. I don't even think they know what they're doing. Maybe they do. Maybe some of them really do. And maybe it's they're totally culpable. But I see a generation that's just stumbling along. And what they think is that pleasures and fun and having a good time and just basically doing whatever they want to do is is the answer. And they're moving in that direction. But at the same time that this is happening, we could say the world is falling deep into, well, let me speak biblically, apostasy and backsliding. That's, those are biblical terms. The world is falling into deep trouble with God. And many in the church world are so hungry for men's approval that they want to follow right along. If television produces it, they want to watch it. They don't care what it is. It's on there, and that's my favorite star, and I'm watching it. That's, how they, that's what's happening to our culture. Unfortunately for you, if that's true, that we are in a world where many in the movie industry have zero faith in God. And they have completely lost their way. Now, I don't mean by that that any movie star you know of, and I couldn't probably name two of them back to back, but let's say I could get their names and read them to you, and I'd have to read them, but let's say I did that because I have zero interest in what this world is producing for entertainment. I, hey, I want to be have a good time, and I want to all those things, but I'm not letting this world produce it for me. I'm going to find a way to do what I need to do without the world telling me to violate the word of God in the process. I'm telling you today that while the world is in trouble, God has a mantle. He has an answer that he's giving to us. He's passing it on to us. Praise God. Praise God. Someone asked me the other day, why do I dance around like that? I said, what are you talking about? I don't dance around. Talking about. No, I'm just kidding. I said, I don't know. I don't know why I do it. But it feels good. I know that. Hallelujah. So Elijah may never have to purchase a plan for his casket and his burial. And Elijah most certainly would never breathe his last breath because God had other plans for him. And he represents the very best in God's purpose and God's power right there in Ahab's face. Ahab and Jezebel represented everything that was wrong with Israel. 
and with the world. And Elisha and his master represent the church in our day. Are you listening to me? Everybody say praise the Lord. So Elisha, you say, what do you mean, Brother French? I mean that in symbol, Elisha represents us. We're longing for something from God. Now, I know we're not way back 875 years before Calvary, but we still long for God. We see the glory, and we know it's the glory of God, and we long for it. That's not pride. That's not saying, Lord, let me preach a sermon that will win us. So that's not pride to say, I want to worship. I want the Holy Ghost. That's not pride. It is hunger that says, I want to see in my life what that man of God had in his life. So we know Elijah was so powerful precisely because he was so humble. We don't long for more out of arrogance or greed or who we think we are so we can build a steeple so someone will say, wow, look at that. Look at that steeple. Look at that. Look at this and so on. It's not our purpose. But I'll tell you right now, I believe God wants to give us revival that we cannot hold in this building I believe God wants to give us a revival that cannot be contained in human uh, experience. It is only God. How many knows that God is God? <laughs> Hallelujah. We've entered into a new generation. I told Brother French just the other day. I said, Brother French, we're in a new world. I, I'm 60 now and you're, uh, you're half my age. You're going to be able to do things that I could never think of doing. But in my day, we sat around thinking about if I could say it the right way, if I could do it in the right way, and if I could stay true to God, we could see marvelous things. It's the spirit of Elijah that's getting a hold of us. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands one more time. Thank you, Jesus. So I think you understand. So we need the double portion because of the fact that we are the next generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And we long for you, Lord. We're not asking for this because we want to build steeples. We don't want to be famous. We're not looking for the applause of men. We are looking for help in an evil and dark generation. We need God's hand on our children. We need our grandchildren to be so touched by the power of God that they will be completely overwhelmed by your glory. Folks, I'm trying to... I'm trying to... I'm trying to talk to you tonight. If we're ever going to save our grandchildren, we're going to have to pray like we have never prayed before. If we're going to see our little, little babies grow up and love it and understand it, we're going to have to pray. Listen, you should not be praying less today than you were praying five years ago. You should be praying more today than you have ever prayed in your life. Because the darkness 
is upon us and we see it. Now, I want to preach to you a little bit about the falling of the mantle. And I'm trying to hurry. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just, oh, I don't know what it is. I'm just completely consumed with this tonight. The falling of the mantle. <laughs> I was praying today and I, I felt the Holy Ghost. Of course, I'm, I want you to know that everything about me says that I could never be Elijah. Never, 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 never. Not even thinking about being Elijah or Elisha or anybody. I'm just me. And that's all I'm ever going to be. And that's all I ever want to be. I want to know God and I want to be me. And I want to know him. But the Holy Ghost, it seemed, was warning me. And so I'm going to pass it on. I know that it's hard for you to receive it. But I feel the Holy Ghost warning the church that if we intend to save our children, if we intend to see the glory of God in the face of our children, It's going to take more than just playing church. It's going to take more than a Jezebel and an Ahab who thought they were perfectly fine as kings of God's people. I want to tell you something right now. We've only got one king. We've got one king, and he's king of kings and lord of lords. Nobody is my king except the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This was the historic period in which Israel had no holy city. Are you listening to me? I'm preaching under the anointing tonight. This Israel had no holy city because Judah had Jerusalem as their capital. They had split right down the middle. And I'm preaching against the spirit of division here tonight. I don't believe in a lot of things, but I'm not trying to destroy anybody. I've got Trinitarian friends, and I love them, and I care for them, and they, we do not agree. And I have Trinitarian friends that tell me, French, you are, the, you are caught up in a silly bunch of nonsense thinking you've got to baptize people all the time. And I said, well, thank you. That's, not, that's very kind of you to be so, so bold and not hold back. It just gives me the courage to not hold back. So I'm going to tell you a little something here. You have compromised so much that you don't recognize that you are violating the word of God and you are on the border of losing what God gave you in the first place. This is a precious mantle. It came from a generation that handed it down to us. I received a call from a university, a, a, a department, talking about, uh, uh, this was some time back. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to get too specific. And they said, we want to interview you. We saw your this and your that at the university of so and so and so and so and so and so and so. I said, oh, really good. Great. That'd be great. And they said, what we specifically want to know is how can it be that a group of Pentecostals 
that are holiness and separate from the world. And that is, they don't worry what the world thinks. They just say, we won't say pooey, but what's a better word? Sister French, what's a better word than pooey? There's got to be a better word. Lord, I'm sorry. There's a better word than that. And I know better. I don't know what in the world is wrong with me. Uh, can you get Sister French on the phone? Uh, six, seven, eight. Uh, and they said to me, do you have statistics that show, we heard you have statistics that show that the oneness churches are growing faster than any other group of tongue talkers in the world. I said, I do, I do. They said, would you come to the university and present it? I said, I would. When do you want me to come? And they gave a time and they sent me a ticket and I flew there. And I began to present it to a big bunch of academics. And uh, I was certain that the first thing they were going to do was say, oh, that's a shoddy research. Why? There's no way you're growing faster. Let me see those numbers and then start just tearing it down. And they literally came up to me and they were, I don't want to misstate this and I'm being very generic because I don't want to have to recite. Sister French, if she were here, she could keep my memory exactly right and then I could probably be more uh, exact. But she's not here and so you're going to get this version of it. And so they said, they come up to me and they said, uh, I said, okay, any questions? They said, yes, we want to know how it is that a group of people that can't even chew bubble gum I said, we can chew bubblegum. That's one of the things that we can do. I said, unless, of course, it's got like Satan written on the... If it says Satan gum, we, we can't chew that gum. But most gum, we, we can handle a lot of it. Most, almost all gum. I hope I told it, Lord, right. I think we can chew most gum. As far as I know, we can. Bubblicious, we can chew that. I know that. Of course, I knew what they meant. They meant that we were pretty strict as far as what the world thinks. We, we don't do certain things. For example, we preach against cursing. Yeah, we preach against cursing. We tell people that if your language is vile, God is going to mark you for that. And then it's going to affect you. And on and on we could go. But my point is, they were absolutely startled to find out that anybody preaching against sin was the fastest growing church in the world. But I got news for you. We got a mantle right from heaven. It came right from the skies. And God said, I'm willing to pass it on. But you've got to keep your eyes. You've got to keep looking right at it. Oh, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands one more time. Lord, I want to see you, Jesus. I want to know the truth. Praise God. Now, not too long ago, I was talking like this. Not this. I'm preaching tonight. But I mean, I was talking about respecting my elders and loving the truth that's passed on. And they thought that was hilarious. They said, You're, I, I'm going to try to remember some of it, but uh, I, I can only think of a couple things. But the first thing I remember most of it was that I was living in the... Uh, Okay, hold on. I didn't know what they meant at one time. 
you, Brother French or Tom, whatever they call me, forgive me. They said, you, talking about looking to a past generation and thanking God for what they handed us. They said, you are living, oh, I got it, in the Ozzy and Harriet uh, something. The Ozzy and Harriet something. I I don't remember what they said. But Ozzy and Harriet was in it, but I don't remember the rest. What they meant was that I was pretending that Ozzy and Harriet, if you don't know who they are, they're some sort of a famous uh, million years ago TV family, that everything was perfect. And later their kids, you know, got the people, the stars in that program ended up on drugs. In other words, uh, it's a false what they meant. I didn't know much about Ozzy and Harriet or whatever they are, but I knew that they were something like that. And that was supposed to intimidate me and, and make me say, oh, oh well, no, I, I'm not looking to another generation. And I said, um, you're absolutely right. I am looking to another generation. If they have preached the word of God without fear and favor, that's who I'm looking for. And I said, I know a generation of one God tongue-talking people that are more interested in the truth than they are the applause of any university, including this one. And I am a part of it, and I am not the least bit ashamed. One of them stood up and said to um, well, tell me, tell me this. Tell me, look right, right in the eye. It's about half, about back there where, uh, uh, where Sister... Uh, Patius and uh, about that far back is kind of the, all they were all teachers at a university. This was these weren't kids, and he said, he stood up and said, "Well, I, I want to ask you something." And he was a Christian. Do you think that I need to be baptized in Jesus' name? He said, "I've never been baptized in Jesus' name. I was baptized the way you were before you became an apostolic. I've been baptized. Do you believe?" That I ought to be baptized. And I said, do you want me to answer that now or later? Because it was a, that's a personal question. That was a group of at least 40 some odd university. One of them a president of a university sitting there. And I was uncomfortable saying to him anything personal. And he said, yes, you can tell me right now to my face. And I said, sir, if I had to be baptized in Jesus' name. And the apostle Peter had to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And if Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to be baptized in the name of Jesus, I see no reason that you shouldn't be baptized in the name of Jesus. And if I were you, I would do it right now. That's how strong I feel about it. And no university is going to take that out of us. We love the word of God as much as we want to respect and, and be kind and say, oh, your baptism. One person came up to me and said, well, I was baptized. I was a little bitty baby, and I was a little tiny little baby, and they put a little bitty spit of water on my forehead. And that's how I was baptized. Do you think I should be baptized? And I said, what do you think? Why are you asking me that? Well, because I feel convicted. I said, well, then 
That's why you're asking me that. Because the Holy Ghost has already told you that what you did as a itty bitty baby, and when they put the little bit of water on your forehead, that was really sweet, and I'm not mock. I didn't say it. I sounded like I, uh, that really sounded horrific, but that's not how it came across. I was trying to be nice. And I said, I respect it, and I respect your mom. I'll tell you how I really said it. I said, I respect your mom, and she took you there. I respect your dad that they took you there, and they wanted their baby to, the best they knew. And there's a billion Catholics that do the same thing. But are you feeling conviction? Is there something in the Holy Ghost saying to you, what I did as a little bitty baby is not enough? If so, you need to obey it, and you need to obey it right now. We have no right to tell people that it doesn't matter when God says it does matter. Hallelujah. Folks, here's what I'm saying. I'm going to stop right here. God's passing this mantle on, and we need to receive it. Let's stand to our feet all across the building, and let's lift our hands and pray. Father, tonight, we thank you for truth that's come all the way from a previous generation. Folks that loved God, stood for righteousness, built churches, gave us the churches we're even in right now. They've given us, Lord, a great heritage And this is the passing of the mantle. It has fallen upon us. And Lord, I want to keep my eyes on it. I want to see it, Lord, in all of its glory. And I thank you for it right now. Now, I feel differently in this altar than I did earlier. I feel a compulsion, a compelling of the Holy Ghost to pray for people who are looking at the chariot and they're wondering what's next, what's coming. I'd really like that because they're kind of strict or, oh, I don't know about all that tongue talking. I talk to people every day that say, well, I don't understand the speaking in tongues. And I don't say, well, you dumbbell. I say, well, you know, I understand that. That's a pretty tough thing to figure out. But why don't we just let God handle that? And why don't you tell me what it is you're doing to get closer to God? You're looking up. You see the fiery horses and everything. I believe God is going to give a revelation to people based upon their hunger for the double portion. They're reaching for it. That's what we're doing. And if they do the same thing, God is going to reveal truth to them. Could we just step out from where we are and let's let's be dismissed around the altar tonight. I want us to pray a special prayer. I want you to bring somebody to the altar. That is, I want you to bring your burden for somebody to this altar right now. Maybe it's a pastor. In fact, let's pray for brother, uh, what did I say his first name was? Uh, Malcolm. Brother Malcolm Cox. I'm saying it on tape. Forgive me, Brother Cox. If you get word I said this, I, I, shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said it. Uh, I don't know your story. It's not fair that I would say it to 50,000 people who are listening all across the country. But I've already said it. So I want you to pray for Brother Cox, his church, and his people. I want you to pray for someone. Somebody, Brother uh, McGee, I want you to think of a church that's close by. What's a, We've got a... a a church of God across the street here. 
I want us to pray for them in a special way that God will let them keep their eyes upon the truth. How many knows that there's a lot of hungry people in this world? I want us to pray for them. I want us to pray for revelation right now. Come on. All across, they're going to sing whatever they want to sing, and we're going to pray for our city right now. Father, I pray for pastors. I pray for pastors' wives. I pray for missionaries. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 I pray for pastors nearby. I pray for churches that may not even be uh, emotional. They may not even be tongue talkers, but something about it. They got their eyes on it. They see and, and they're wondering about it. I pray for them tonight. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. God has drawn us into this thing. The mantle's falling. The mantle is falling.